Hallelujah. The name of my talk this morning is Recipes, Ingredients, and Spoons. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, uh, that just tickles me. Anyway, some of the leadership of us went uh, last week to my church, uh, the four of us ladies went down to my church to hear Sharon Stone and for the worship and prophetic event that they have once a month, which, oh, and it was fantastic. It was just so good. The worship music was a hundred times better than what we can do with pro presenter here. And it was just fantastic. And then we heard uh, Sharon call out people from the audience to give them things that the Lord had laid on her heart like Julie did this morning and like Florence has. Um, then afterwards, we broke up into smaller groups for personal ministry. And we each got a word from the Lord. <laughs> Part of the word that the Lord gave to me was about recipes. Oh, recipes, okay. So that got me to thinking... Well, what's a recipe for anyway? It's a list of ingredients and directions on how to put them together to make a delicious concoction from the individual pieces. You take a dirty old knobby potato out of the ground, you wash it off and you peel it, and you can make mash, you can make chips, you can make potato salad, you can make potato soup, you can make potato candy, and you can even make vodka. Did you know that? <laughs> Such a mix of things that can come out of that one ingredient. And each recipe starts with one ingredient, a potato. The completed dish, however, may have many other components. There may be onions in it. There may be meat. There may be seasonings or other vegetables or broths or so forth. And it's like that with church, too. You start with one fundamental truth that Jesus is Lord. And what a solid foundation a church can have and be based on that one truth. Then you throw in the Holy Spirit into the mix and you get dynamite. Remember that the word dynamis in the Greek or whatever it is, is another word for God's, for the power of God's Spirit. And I know I didn't say it right, so never mind. <laughs> That, that's the American pronunciation of it anyway. Dunamis. Okay. But to have a church, you have to add what? People. And people come in all kinds of descriptions and conditions with all kinds of abilities and all kinds of quirks and foibles. And each one is distinctive in his or her own right. Some people come in full of muscle and they're aged like 30-day beef. Some come in all spicy and salty and full of vim and vigor. Some come in like the delicate flavor of the mildest of cheeses. And some come in with skin so tough that they've got to be stripped and peeled to get to the goodness underneath. But all are made in the image of God. So now we've got some of the ingredients assembled. What do we do with them? How do we make this a dish that's palatable and tasty for the outside world? And what's the recipe that we should follow to make this churchy dish a feast fit for a king to dine on? Well, first of all, you make, all, you make a list of all the ingredients 
listed on the recipe for church from the King James cookbook. Make sure you have the five most important ones. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And these are given to the church to do the following things. They're given to the church to equip the believers for works of service. They're there to build the body up of believers in growth and maturity. They're there to create unity of faith. They're there to increase in knowledge about God and Jesus and the kingdom. And they're there to grow believers, to be mature in their faith with sound doctrine. Next, you have to have the gifts of the Spirit. And they're words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healings, miracles, prophecy, discernment, and tongues and interpretation. And when you get all of those gifts, that comes the fruit of the Spirit. And that's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And all of these ingredients are necessary to complete the recipe for church. So now we know what we have to have in our list of ingredients, but where do we get them? Well, you go to the proper source, don't you? You don't go stand in the middle of a bowling alley and expect to find tomatoes growing on the vine, do you? No. <laughs> Let's take faith, for example. Where do you go to get faith? Romans ten seventeen says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the King James Version. And we've all heard this preached a million times. You get faith by hearing the Bible taught and preached, etc. But it also comes from hearing stories and testimonies of what Jesus is doing now. Now that verse is in the New Century Version reads this way. So faith comes from hearing the good news. And people hear the good news when someone tells them about Christ. So if you want the ingredient of faith for yourself and your church, you do what? You hear the good news, you tell the good news. That's why testimonies are so important. And like my illustration from before about the bowling alley and tomatoes, you don't get faith by standing in the middle of a mess, whining and complaining all the time. You get faith by hearing the word and speaking out the word of God. When you hear the word, it builds up your faith. When you speak from a stance of faith, it activates the power of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, miracles occur. The Bible tells us that they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And that's Revelations 12, 11. Now, a testimony isn't always just a recital of an answered prayer. A testimony can also be a declaration of your faith or your dedication. Now, if you all have ever seen movies or TV programs about church in the stereotypical American South, you will have seen people testify. I'm going to testify. <laughs> they get very vocal with their praise of Jesus. And people usually scoff and ridicule folks who act like that, thinking they're being terribly, terribly uncouth. 
But who does that remind you of? How about the apostles being ridiculed on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell? That ridicule didn't stop them, however. They just praised God all the more. That freedom to praise with abandon is just one more piece of that overcoming thing from Revelations 12. So that testifying and testimony part of the recipe for a growing church doesn't have to be the reporting of a miracle. It can be things like finding a dime on the kitchen floor or getting the right parking space at just the right time or the overwhelming love and grace of God overflowing in your life. These are all testimonies about God, recognizing him in action in your mundane. Now, we're going to be sharing food in a little while, breaking bread together, as some churches call it, feasting at the king's table with the king's kids. But before that happens, I want to share a dream that I had several years ago. I dreamed I entered a a grand palatial dining room with a table all laid with exquisite china and the finest crystal drinking goblets, silver candlesticks, and masses of flowers. And it was all laid out on the most expensive, crisp, white linen. And the table seemed to go on forever. It, It looked like it stretched for miles. And as I looked... At the, ta- at the place settings, however, I noticed the flatware, the silver service. Intricately carved forks and knives, all laid precisely next to the china. You know how the queen's footmen measure the distance from the edge of the table to where the place settings are supposed to be? That kind of precision. They take a rod and they, they give this much space between the edge of the table and the 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 silverware of the plates. That's the kind of precision this table was set with. The pattern of the silverware was really grand, but there were no spoons. And as I pondered the missing spoons, the Lord came up behind me and handed me a treasure chest. And when I opened it, I saw dozens and dozens of spoons Teaspoons, soup spoons, dessert spoons, gleaming and polished, shining so brightly that they made me squint. I noticed that they were mismatched, and no spoon matched any of the others. And not one spoon in that treasure chest matched any of the silver already laid on the table. But they were given to me by the Lord, so I knew there was some special meaning to this. And as I began to lay the spoons at each place sitting, the Lord started to speak to me. And he says this, Not every person on earth was born with a silver spoon in their mouth, but each one is a treasure to me. Not every person on earth matches the design of earthly service of where they are, but each one has a place at my table. Just as some spoons are designed to stir tea, some of my people are designed to stir the living water. Just as some spoons are designed to provide earthly substance, some of my people are designed to feed the, bread, feed the world the bread of life. 
And just as some spoons are designed for desserts, some of my people are designed to serve up the sweetness of relationship with me. Isn't that an awesome explanation? And then not too long after that dream, I saw a piece of artwork on Facebook where a lady had painted spoons and soapy dishwater. And I was able to share that dream with her. I don't remember if she responded or not, but at least there was that bit of connection to her art, the thing that she produced from her heart, and the word that the Lord had given to me. Now we're going to have this international food event next month. But more than just feeding people various kinds of dishes from all over the world, we will then be in a position to serve up the sweetness of relationships, then be able to serve the bread of life, and to stir up the living water from the Spirit as we develop those relationships. It's not just about food and quiz. It's about community response. It's about taking the word of God to the people. I had to laugh one time in a chat room that we were at years ago. Uh, I said something, and, and I got really jumped all over for it. I said, you know, now let me think of how I said this. I didn't write this in the speech. <laughs> um, preach the word always. Preach the gospel always. Sometimes you have to use words. Now, do you get that? You live your life as part of the gospel. Sometimes you have to use words. But more often than not, people are reading you as their Bible, as their connection to the Lord. So let's begin now for that event by praying for the wider community, those who will be buying tickets and coming to us for earthly food. Let us pray that, as Jesus said, they will know us by our love, our love for one another and our love for them. Let us prepare ourselves to give testimony to the faith that sustains us if someone asks, either at this event or any time anyone approaches us. Brush up on your testimony. You don't have to jump up and down and shout and testify <laughs> in some grand, dramatic way. Just be real. But do step out in gentle faith and be blessed to be a blessing. And the father says, now go be spoons. <laughs>